This is the Double Blue Podcast on TSN 1050, the home of Argos football. And welcome to this week's edition of the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan here. Jeff Johnson joining me in a second. We will let you know that Declan Cross, who has very rapidly become a fan favorite, the fullback, tight end, special teams demon, will drop by uh, in the middle of the proceedings and we'll, we'll have a nice little chat, a get-to-know-you session with him. How are you doing, Mr. Hall of Famer? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Now a member of the York Hall of Fame since our last podcast. Uh, your memories of that evening? Oh, it was wonderful. Wonderful, my friend. And thank you again for being such a gracious host. You were I fantastic. Just it. I just went in and that was it. Yeah, but you were I'm excellent. Glad they asked. You did a great job and uh, there were some special people being inducted that evening. Yes. So uh, I think you were perfect for and it. And from a football concept, we should also say Frank Cosentino. Yes. Who I was surprised wasn't in already. No kidding. Um, but no he, kidding. He, he's in the hall with you. That's a, that's a nice guy to go in with. From a football there were six in total. Yeah. But from a football perspective, since this is the podcast that we're doing, um, that was nice. It was, yeah. a nice. it was a nice pairing. You know what? Uh, I didn't play for Frank, but mm-hmm. I had the uh, honor of getting to know a few guys that have played for him. Mm-hmm. David Cinnamon being one of them. Mm-hmm. And if you know, hanging out at some Ar- uh, some York games, you get to chat with some of the alumni. And uh, I, uh, to be honest, I, I'm almost taken aback at the the impact that he left on every single guy, every person that played for him. Mm-hmm. Just sung his praises, and, and not just to York. I mean, he was at Western beforehand. He won. Right. He's like this rare bird who was a Canadian quarterback. Yeah. Won a couple of Vanier Cups. Um, or sorry, Grey Cups, and then a couple of Vanier Cups as a coach. He was with Hamilton back in the '60s, um, and then uh, becomes a coach at, at York and has the opportunity to influence even more young players. Yes. And that's just that. That seems to be his his legacy, which is a damn good one. No kidding. Well, I mean, uh, just the guys talk about how, uh, you know, he almost changed their lives in the mm-hmm. way they looked at just life and working together and camaraderie and really what, understanding what was important. And, mm-hmm. um, what you know, did you hey, learn from is, Tom Arnott? That was your coach there. Um, Tom was a, a great uh, coach while I was there. I thought, um, you know, Tom, uh, he coached the game with his heart. He mm-hmm. believed uh, in everything he did and um, he was incredibly passionate and you had to certainly appreciate that love for the game, mm-hmm. right? And um, he was the kind of guy that uh, could get the best out of you mm-hmm. and sometimes he was rough on the guys. But coach has to pick his spots. That's right. Pick it for sure. And uh, with some guys, it was, you know, fine. Others, maybe not so, you know, but hey, whatever. Every coach is different. Every athlete's different as well. But at the same time, he could come down and and level with you at the right time as well. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, off the field, door was always open, Mm -hmm. right? You come in and see Tom Arnott and you go in and chat with him. And, uh, you know, he made me realize uh, a couple of important things. And he was... You know the way he challenged me in practice and in games, and kind of gave me a, a pretty heavy load. Um, opened my eyes a lot and helped me learn a lot about me. So he was uh, he was he did a lot for me, and I w- want to thank him. Yeah, it was uh, again thanks to the folks at York for uh, inviting me to be the MC. I I wouldn't have missed it. Um, now let's get back to the Argo game last week against Montreal. Yes, um, sir. I think we found that James Wilder was not a one play wonder or one game wonder. My goodness, what is it? Uh, first time a fluke, second time it's real. Yeah. Well, unbelievable, Hogue. Unreal. I mean, uh, breakaway speed, you know, uh, he's got all the toolbox going, right? He's sure. got the cuts. He's got the, the explosiveness. He's got that bloody stiff arm. That's wicked. And he, wicked. But how you've done this before. You, you, the stiff arm was something that you used a lot as well. Yeah. How do you accelerate after you do that or while you're doing that? He laid the stiff arm out three times yeah. in the course of an 85-yard run. Yes, 
and was still able to outrun DBs at the end of this run. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Well, in order to execute a stiff arm as well as James can do it, you need to have a very strong chain of muscle, like muscle, mm-hmm. right? Your whole core. So through the midsection, right up to the arm, not just arm, not through just the legs. Leg, no, it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. So when he punches, you know, for the average person, when you hit somebody, your, your upper body might move back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And if that were to happen, James wouldn't get that separation he needed and he wouldn't be able to continue to accelerate. But when he stiff arms guys, his body actually moves further than what he's actually pushed off the guy. Mm-hmm. And that's because of his core and, and the power that's in his body. It's unbelievable. Yes, it is. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And then he's able to keep his feet moving. And uh, it, yeah, and not break stride. Not break stride. It's, it's, it, no. it, I, I watched and, and anybody who missed our broadcast last week knows how giddy I was over this thing. Because <laughs> I, just, I couldn't believe what I had just seen. Oh. I expected him to get caught three different times on yes. that. And he just yeah. kept accelerating through it. And a guy at two and a quarter... That shouldn't happen. No, he's huge. He two hundred. That's a big guy, and uh, not only did he stiff arm a D lineman, that's one kind of stiff sure. arm, right? And you know what? But that's a power. Those stiff are arm. the guys I stiff arm away from a little bit, and it. You know what? You get away from that guy, he's he's kind of dead in the water. He's not coming back. Mm-hmm. But to do it to the corner or halfback that's flying across the field, and consider how much faster he's closing, and you're able to snap a quick stiff arm there, mm-hmm. just shows how athletic he is, and. Um, um, yeah, it was uh, exciting to see him kind of blow through the line. And, you know, I, I, there's what I was really impressed with the running game. Mm-hmm. I'm just switching kind of sure. going from Wilder yeah. over to the offensive line yeah. here uh, is uh, the timing, mm-hmm. the timing of, of the blocking up front. And I had a chance to catch up with Coach Heimbach for a minute. And I just said, hey, you know, was there, you know, a couple nuances that were put in since your short arrival here? And mm-hmm. he said, yeah, yeah, there was, you know, they tried to tighten up some of the timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they... Which has worked. It definitely has worked. And, uh, you know, they went with some schemes that were slightly different. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we know the CFL running game is, is it's a zone, zone, sure. zone read. Get off the ball. Everybody has a, a general area that they're going to block from center guard to tackle. Whoever's in that area, you block it and you drive. So if it happens to be a double team, so if there's someone in position between the center and the guard, now the center and the guard are going to work, provided that's obviously the direction they're running in. Um, those two are going to work that player up to the linebacker. Mm-hmm. So that they block that zone, mm-hmm. right? And Heimbach uh, put in a couple nuances where they just made some adjustments to the front side of the, of the, of the run where mm-hmm. there was a little bit more of a man approach, which is where you see the guys pulling isolate the, the the D end or isolate the linebacker and you've got uh, you know a nice drop step that he's obviously hammered home because the guys were executing it perfectly staying close to the lineman that they're cut they're pulling around and uh, engaging in that block and then while they're in the backfield to take even a step back um, the timing with with his steps has to be perfect mm-hmm. because to, to get in behind that because if he's too soon he does he can't see the hole mm-hmm. if he's too late someone on the backside will slip through and make the tackle mm-hmm and but if you're bang on we saw what happens when you're bang on but that's about patience right as well because yes. a, a lot of backs that certainly at the high school level and, and you know guys who are new to the game just see the hole and they want to run to it and they want to get there and you can't do that i had that problem hoagie of course that's, i had that's, that problem i think every running back who's ever played the game you've got ants has, in your pants absolutely right that's normal <laughs> and you know it's been a while so, you know, wilder didn't play a lot in the nfl level obviously mm-hmm. um it's and this is an opportunity for him at the pro level to show what he can do so he's he's got a uh, he's been very good at hiding it if he has them but there had to be at least in the edmonton game a few nerves because this was an opportunity handed to him at the expense of a very popular player yes and he had to take advantage of the opportunity um you're not human if you don't think about that a little bit oh 100 percent. you know i guarantee there were nerves but the nerves feed it 
Sure. Right? The nerves feed the fire. And, you know, I talked about it at the Hall of Fame dinner in terms of nerves. I was shitting bricks when I was in the backfield mm-hmm. waiting for the handoff. Like, literally. Mm-hmm. I was nervous, very, feeling very anxious. Mm-hmm. And then you get that ball and you run like you've got, you know, you're getting away from, uh, there's a gang chasing you. <laughs> right? Like, seriously. You yeah. ran like a madman. And that's how I ran as a, as a tailback. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's exciting. That's exciting, especially when you blow it out, when you blow through it, right? Like you get through there and you're like, woo, like you're like, you know, but before it's like, oh shit, oh, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And then boom, right? And uh, the trick is being able to calm that down, Mm being able to see the blocks. And when you can't do that, then you've really got ants in your pants and you're getting ahead of everything and you know, maybe you're getting ahead of the block, but um, for sure there were nerves. Uh, James, I'm sure he, he may be, I don't know if he would say there were or not, but guaranteed there were some nerves because he's thinking, hey, this is a, an opportunity that he's been waiting for, mm-hmm. right? And, and uh, he's taking advantage. And he's taking advantage. Good so for that's him. good. So, you know, um, the other thing that uh, has come about, and I wrote about this early in the week for Argonauts.ca, is on the other side of the football, guys are starting to come back. And, you know, look at the secondary and how banged up it's been. We've talked about the, the, the D-line, and they've had eight players on the D-line miss multiple games. Mm-hmm. And they still co-lead the CFL in sacks. Ridiculous. Which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Now on the back end, um, the five guys who were there last week, you've got Akwazi Awusu-Ansaw. He's ready to come back. Sears has got to be close. Jermaine Gabriel's getting close. All of a sudden, now you're going to have eight healthy bodies for five spots, and all eight have proven that they can play. And to have Alden Darby Jr., to have Mitchell White come in and perform the way they did, one with two picks last week, one with a pick six last week. Yeah, This is, this is a good problem to be in you think? for Corey Chamberlain and company. Five spots, eight guys who show they can play. Well, you think it's a good problem considering where uh, the secondary was for the last couple of years, Hope? Last year, what did we, we talk about? We were freaking out in the game? booth. <laughs> it was like, they've got to find somebody. And then you know, somebody would make a play. Gabriel looked fairly consistent back there. But the newcomers were coming in trying to play the Stubler defense, and it didn't work. No, A lot of them just didn't get the concept of match coverage, which right. was new to them. Sure. Now you're playing a more conventional defense, although I talked to Mitchell White about it, and he said he likes it because it's not just zone and it's not just man so there are some nuances shaking it up and they they try to keep the opponents guessing and it's just learning that so he's doing it now at the corner chamberlain says eventually wants to get him in in the half uh where it's a little closer to the ball things Mm -hmm. are moving around a little more quickly in there um i think this is a spectacular problem to have oh it's it's a it's a massive problem to have and it's a great problem to have i mean uh, again issue that the argos have had for the past couple years the secondary has Mm -hmm. struggled Dropped coverage every mm-hmm. game multiple times. Yeah. I don't think we've seen dropped coverage once this year. How many times did we last year? Maybe And sometimes uh, multiple times in the same game, yeah. see a guy 30 or 40 yards behind the cover just open. walking into the end zone. The Winnipeg, the Edmonton games last year at yeah. BMO come to mind immediately for that. Sure. Well, you know what? And I, I don't think there's been one time, the only time somebody got wide open is because somebody tripped and fell. Sure. And the receiver got in behind it. But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's very exciting to have a defense like that. And I think... You know, I'm just you know, from a Chamberlain perspective, he has to really understand offenses to be an exceptional D coordinator. And you know, I think you know when guys move around on the defensive side, so when they get set and they shift a little bit, or they play around the hashes and they start to move inside the box, outside the box, mm-hmm. that plays with the read of the quarterback. It plays with the reads of the receivers sure. as well. And, the free and they may not be around. on the same page because That's right. they're trying to diagnose something pre-snap the same way. That's right. That they haven't seen. That's right. They're trying to figure it out. And, uh, 
you know, it just it, it makes for a good recipe, um, you know, for the defense to be able to manipulate the mm-hmm. offense a little bit, right? They and so, and I can guarantee they're doing it because the way they move the players around. So Cassius Fawn goes back to free safety. That also, sure. all of a sudden, they're looking for a, identifying a certain number at free safety that they've seen for weeks, and now there's somebody else back there. Wait a minute. There is a slight hesitation. That slight now you hesitation find the safety. is going to get you thinking about. What, wait a minute. What was that play again yeah. that we're doing? What's my route again? Right. And so, yeah, the, the, all those little things are magnified by a hundred right at the at the at the line. You know, at the line of scrimmage and when the play is about to go off. So, Chamberlain's doing some good things with the movement and shifting guys around, communicating, and and I think that's uh, really where he really has an advantage uh, with what they're doing. And one of the things that Rico Murray said, and Rico's the only guy who's played every game this year back in the secondary, and and he said that uh, it's really advantageous for him and his group to have Corey in there because that's where he played. Yes, right. So we made it in the NFL was as a defensive back and 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 played his uh, D one ball or his FSC ball, FCS ball there as well. So mm-hmm. he's you know he he's he's speaking to the choir when it comes to the uh, the secondary and uh, there's a level of comfort back there and they're really responding. This is a very good secondary group. I'm well, not willing to put it up with 2004 yet. Sure, you know what I mean yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. a lot of new players who haven't played together yeah. and uh, trying to figure out guys. But there's a potential there if these guys are around for a while. This could be a spectacular secondary. Well, just imagine a guy like White that you know played one game. Mm-hmm. Probably hasn't had a ton of coaching under Chamberlain yet, mm-hmm. right? And he didn't like his game. He said it was sloppy. I, I saw that. Yeah. Which you know what? I, hey, that's the kind of guy you want, mm-hmm. right? Not the guy that oh yeah, two two interceptions. You know, I, I could have had four. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, whatever. I'm the best guy out there. That's the mentality because you know he's working right now. He's watching film and probably studying to be better this week. What did I do? Maybe I didn't get my hips around, and mm-hmm. uh, my my coverage could have been a little bit better. And maybe he should have had more more interceptions. But what I you know something that I liked about his style is is he knows his range mm-hmm. closing range. Sure. So you know that second interception he had in the end zone there, he was kind of playing off of the, I believe it was a. A fullback, or yeah, but I mean that would have been another reason he would have been playing off is because there's a fullback there. But he would have been playing off with that that cushion, and then when the throw was made to a receiver, which in my opinion was far too close to the other Montreal Alouette player. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's the way the scheme was drawn up. White took advantage of it because the ball was overthrown and came down with a huge play. Argos uh, getting ready for Hamilton. We will talk to a player. Uh, who played his university ball in the hammer with McMaster and has now turned his attention to hammering opponents as a fullback and special teams demon and getting some tight end looks as well. Declan Cross joins us as we continue with the Double Blue Podcast. Now, more of the Double Blue Podcast. And welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Our player in the spotlight this week is Declan Cross, fullback, tight end, special teams demon, cult hero all of a sudden how you doing amazing how are how, you how much fun are you having this year a lot of fun i bet a lot of fun yeah i'm really i'm really happy with how things uh have have gone and how things are going right now so know? what's different this year from last year when you came everything was new obviously and um you know i don't know if it was overwhelming at times just because of the the playbook and just the guys that you were playing with but what's the biggest difference this year uh, in terms, in terms of the, the team, or in terms, in terms of my of play, your or? play, your experience, your knowledge, your um, execution, all of that stuff. What is how much easier is it this year because you've gone through it once? Um, I wouldn't say it's necessarily easier. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's it's sim- it seems simpler. You know, so, like when I'm when I'm doing my job on, uh, on the field, 
I'm not thinking as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to execute it physically. I mm-hmm. think a lot of that uh, started in the off season, where uh, I train in the off season at McMaster because I'm still in school, and I trained with a group uh, of CFL players. Mm-hmm. I think it was like six of us, maybe, and uh, we trained together every morning at like seven o'clock, whatever it was, every every single day. And I think doing that and being around uh, a bunch of a bunch of high level athletes. It kind of, I'm in an area of high competition every day, mm-hmm. and when you're constantly competing, it's easy to improve. You know, mm-hmm. you're in an environment where you where you have to improve, and you're around those who are improving, so you improve. So I think coming in, I was physically ready, and and I think it kind of affected my mental state too because I, I came in a lot more confident. Mm-hmm. Again, because I was being around a bunch of of, of CFL players and, and training with them, I, I came in confident that I could physically and mentally get the job done. And then, uh, and then another aspect is obviously Tressman and, and and his his system and and his coaches, and there's very good coaching happening. You know, very good coaching, and it's a very positive, um, easy to learn atmosphere here. So all of that kind of works together. Give me an example of something you've learned this year that's helped make the game slow down for you a little bit. I'm very comfortable with pass protection now. Mm-hmm. So um, that that. You know, working with our O-line, our O-line coaches, um, working through you know, every, every day, getting getting more reps as well mm-hmm. with Pass Pro. I think getting the reps helps a lot, but um, the coaching has helped a lot too. Where it's just it seems simpler. Last year, I remember when, when I would you know if I was in and I was on a Pass Pro, I, I knew what I was doing, but I wasn't always as confident as I am now. For now, when I'm in and I'm protecting Ricky, I'm very confident that that I know exactly what I'm going to do and 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 how I'm going to do it. So that's the big that's a big difference is is I'm very confident with my pass pro responsibilities. And then other than that, you know, technique wise, when we're when we're blocking, when I'm when I'm out there blocking, you know, I'm now getting the reps. I'm mm-hmm. now getting a lot of reps, and getting those reps really helps helps a lot. You know, I'm, I got that muscle memory coming in now as yeah, sure. I'm getting so many reps. So. So when Jim is fired and Scott leaves to go down south, um, what was going through your mind when there was that period between having a general manager and a coach and not knowing who your guys were going to be heading into this year? Uh, not much was going on in, in my mind because I, I didn't have control over any of that. So mm-hmm. I, I was just, let's see what happens kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to keep focusing on getting better and the rest will take care of itself. That's how I approach a lot of these kind of things. So when you heard it was Trestman, what went through your mind? Uh, I talked right away. I, I I did my research and I talked to uh, Nick Shortle, yes. who yeah. who knew about uh, Tressman and, and yeah. he, he told me all, all good things. We should say Nick played with you at Mac and yes. played in Montreal with yes. Mark. So he told me all good things, and uh, and I trust Nick. So I was I was pretty happy to hear good things about him like that. And then obviously showing up to camp and experiencing the way that he he does things in his system, you know, I'm very happy. Uh, here's a quote he gave me when I did a profile on you earlier this year. Uh, this is one of the finest young men on our football team. He's got great leadership skills. He controls our special teams with his communication and his intelligence. When you hear that, what goes through your mind? Uh, it feels good. You know, what, when I hear that, I, I hear trust. Mm-hmm. I hear that he, that he trusts me, and that's really the, the goal is to, you know, earn the trust of your teammates and your coaches. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and that's that was really the goal. So I'm I'm happy. I'm just happy to hear that. Yeah. Do do you 
feel that you have to be a leader or do you have natural leadership skills? Um, how, how do you feel if you were to look at yourself from afar, sort of, you know, third person looking in, um, how would you describe yourself as a leader? And is it a comfortable thing for you? Uh, I'm comfortable being a leader when when the time calls for it. Um, it's not something that I that I just seek out opportunities to lead, you mm-hmm. know, but when when the time comes and in certain roles, you know, like when he talks about communication on on special teams, I'm making the calls on our punt team. That's a leadership role. Obviously, I'm going to I'm going to do that job well cuz it's my job. Mm-hmm. So so it's not something where I where I go ahead and I just I look for every opportunity to lead cuz sometimes that can get a little excessive. Mm-hmm. Um but uh no, you know, I I, I welcome the opportunity to lead, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a vocal a vocal leader all the time. Lead by example. Because I, I, I like to, I, I'm just focused on doing my job. Mm-hmm. And if that comes out as, you know, leadership, then that's how it comes out. But really, I'm just focusing on doing my job uh, in the best of my ability. Um, when you got to the end zone for the first time, you fell down and you went boom. Um, how much grief did you take from people for that? Yeah, I got a lot of text messages after. I got I got significantly more text messages saying "nice celebration, nice slip" than I did saying "nice touchdown." So that I took I took some some flack for that, but I I don't care. I got I, you know I was just happy to to help the team win. It's funny it's not your last touchdown, but you've had what more called back than you've actually had count. That yeah, that that's a bizarre stat right there. <laughs> it is bizarre. It's bizarre, but it's it's uh, you know some of those were were hustle calls you know mm-hmm. if you look at the the most recent one that you know it was a holding call but it was a holding call downfield um where my teammate was hustling to try and to try and help me to try and make a play and i don't know how you can fault anyone for for hustling downfield and for and for doing their best like that so it's not like these these touchdowns are all being called back for stupid things mm-hmm. you know a lot of these are hustle calls so I'm, I'm not upset especially when we when we score on that drive regardless absolutely then it's as if it never happened um, you fans in any sport always take a liking to the guys who go out and work hard and, and, you know, maybe don't have the, the same natural ability as somebody else at another position or not the quarterback fans have really taken a liking to you, uh, to the point where there, there are people now in the stands, you will see the, 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 the Jersey, the cross Jersey 38, this, you know, that has to be specially made. Like they're not selling those down at BMO. Mm. When you see one of those, what goes through your mind? Uh, it's rewarding. It's a rewarding yeah. feeling because those are all the fans that you see with those jerseys are ones that I've personally spoken to. You know, because I come out after every home game and talk to as many fans as possible and, and talk to all the little kids and, and their parents and everything. And I think that's really important. I think that's really really important for players to do. Why? Um, because there's a lot of young, 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 young. They're not fans yet. They're just young, young people who come to the games. And when the players come out and sign things and talk to them and take pictures, uh, that creates uh, it creates fans down the road. Mm-hmm. It creates fans down the road, and it increases your community engagement, your involvement. It helps the Argos organization. They have, you know, it, it helps with their brand and their image. And I think it's very important for players to do that after home games to come out, talk to the fans, and engage with the community. Um, especially in the CFL, you know, and, and these fan, these little kids are going to grow up to be the the diehard Argos fans. Mm-hmm. I know they will. I've seen it. I've seen the diehard Argos fans that are already there. 
I talk to them too, and and you know they tell me the same thing. Mm-hmm. How much do you get out of individually and personally when you go to a school, when you do some of the other community stuff that you've been doing? I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I've I've been doing that uh, since I was in in school at McMaster. I started going first. First, I just grabbed a bunch of us in my first year, a bunch of my my draft, uh, my draft, my my uh, recruiting class at Mac. Mm-hmm. I grabbed a bunch of them, and we went to uh, my auntie's school that she worked at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went there, and it was a school for uh, the. We we visited the classes for troubled for the troubled children. Mm-hmm. You know, they might have come from a, from a kind of a difficult uh, background, uh, difficult family life, and we visited them, and they were so well behaved when we were there. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, you know, my auntie was telling me, you know, to be careful when we're there, and, and these kids aren't the most well behaved all the time, and just you know, but they're gonna love you guys. They're gonna love you guys. And we showed up, and they were so well behaved, and they were asking questions. They wanted to play with us and talk with us. And, uh, you know, I, I could see the positive impact that we were having on these kids just, mm-hmm. just right away. And so ever since then, I've been going to school visits all the time in, in the off season, all, all the time, and just talking to the kids and, and trying to give them a message of, uh, well, we, we would all tell them basically what we did to get to where we are and what we're doing to try and get better and to reach where we want to reach and, and go where we want to go. And we would tell these kids to basically, you know, believe just believe step one believe Mm -hmm. and and to really find out what you want to do and to believe in yourself and because that's that's step one if if all these kids believe that they can that they can achieve things Mm -hmm. then some of them are going to start doing things that will put them in a position to achieve what they want to achieve i'm sure you believe you can win a great cup this year yes can you yes why how because of here it is okay the way that Tressman is setting our team up, and it, he's still, it's, it's still a work in progress, and he'll tell you the same. It's a work in progress. We are all being molded into the football players that we need to be to succeed. And he knows what that looks like because mm-hmm. he's done it. Yes. He knows exactly what that looks like, and he's, and he's molding us into that. And all of us who are buying in, and putting in the time and putting in the work, we're, we're becoming the football players that we need to be. And that's why, that's why we will win. That's why we'll win. Is this a total buy-in? It seems like when I look at practice, when I see in games, I think fans will see it on the sidelines as well. Not just the guys that are dressed, but the guys on the sidelines who are you know, out because of coach's decision or injury. To me, it seems like it's a 100% buy-in from the guys that you have in this group. It is. It is. If... If there was a player who was here that wasn't buying in, it would already be addressed. Okay, really? Every, everyone by coaching staff or internally with the players. Both, mm-hmm. because the thing is, like, if if you come here, it's hard not to buy in because every the majority, you know, from what I can see, everyone is buying in. But if there were someone to come in who wasn't, they would see and feel the energy, and they would see what's happening here, and and it's hard not to, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard not to buy in. I hope you're right. Um, this was a lot of fun. You've got a lot of fans here. Um, I hope you're here for a long time because you're a treat to watch. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's Declan Cross. We'll come back and we will preview the Hamilton game with Jeff Johnson as we continue with the Double Blue Podcast. Now, more of the Double Blue Podcast. And welcome back to the Double Blue Podcast. Mike Hogan and Jeff Johnson with you. That was Declan Cross. What is your... You played fullback. You played specials. What's your favorite aspect of Declan Cross's game? Declan's a special football player. He, uh, you know, not only does he get his job done, he 
He just brings it every single time, every opportunity. He's super pumped to be on the football field. You could tell in the when interview. He steps Anybody who just listened to that interview knows what a positive guy he is and just how excited he is. Yeah, and he believes he's gonna he's gonna win every time, mm-hmm. right? And uh, yeah, love that about him. He just he goes out there and he when he blocks. I think I think the most exciting aspect of what he does is his blocking. His blocking yeah. is just it's unreal. He he his timing is very good. His feet are in perfect position, and he's incredibly physical. Yeah. He, he blocks guys by not just uh, engaging; he goes through them, mm-hmm. right? Which is not uh, not all that common. I, I love when we had the discussion. I love a guy who says, "I love blocking," instead of "feed me." Right? <laughs> there is a chance that he will touch the ball more this year with the Argos than he did in four years at McMaster. He just loved blowing guys up at Mac and did it, and he loves doing it at this level. And you need guys. Not everybody uh, can be the maestro of the orchestra. Somebody's got to play the bassoon, sure, right? Yeah. And it takes everybody on the team to be able to uh, to be able to do that. And uh, he has taken his uh, his spot in the band very readily and very happily, and goes out and just produces week after week after week and that's why the coaches and the players love him no oh, it's fantastic oh no kidding the fans are love him and uh but you know what the, the way he does it opens up some opportunities some interesting opportunities for the offense because mm-hmm. because you know when teams preparing for the argos they look and they say okay who's the fullback Declan cross he's in the backfield okay it might be a run um you know usually it is a run mm-hmm. or you know maybe there's a, a play action right mm-hmm. and uh, on the protection or on on the coverage standpoint, they're like, well, we don't need to worry about Declan because he's going to hammer the defensive end or hit a linebacker, and, and so he's out of the play. Sure, but he's not actually out of the and play. And he's proven he can catch the football. Right? Unlike last year, that's where he right. had a couple of oopsies. Yeah, that's right. And so he's learning timing very good. Uh, you know, and I'm seeing him pick it pick it up quickly. Where mm-hmm. you slip that block, you know, you you come across and you you attack the DN like you're going to block him, but then you sidestep him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you know, and DN's getting ready to block you. And then all of a sudden you run by him and you're running free to the flat. Linebackers already take, you know, said moved on to someone else because he sees you going towards the DN. Mm-hmm. Now you're open in the flat. But this QB hits that, you and there you go. That position is something that is, for the most part, underutilized. Um, look at when you and your era played Calgary. How many times did Rob Cote kill you? With a well placed twenty two yard reception. Oh, just uh, Lavoie when brutal. he was now in Ottawa, but when he was with Montreal. Um, you know, I I wish they had have used Alex Dupuy here because they thought he could do that last year, or yep. Galanders, or whoever they thought sure. was going to be that guy. But now the fact that they're using that, that just opens things up a little bit more for everybody else because you have you can't lose him, you can't lose Declan no. Cross, no, who would have what five or six touchdowns right now if it wasn't for flags. Yes. So yeah, there's boys around him aren't supporting him the way they should be. The way they support them, <laughs> um, but but still, you know that that stuff is happening. And as he mentioned, he said, "I don't care as long as we get it at the end of the drive." That's, that's right. the most important thing, uh, which happened uh, with the SJ Green touchdown uh, a couple of weeks ago when they had the touchdown called back. So that's right. um, no, it's it's good, and now he gets to go into Hamilton um, with the Argos, and you know they talked about it. I don't know if they talked about it internally, but. When they were selling the game last week, they were talking about the playoff atmosphere against Montreal, and it was. Mm-hmm. And the Argonauts went out and kicked the crap out of them in the first 30 minutes and held on for the win. Yeah. Um, Hamilton kept whatever chances alive they had of catching Toronto mm-hmm. with the upset win in BC last week. Sure. Toronto wins this game, start printing the playoff tickets. Sure. Might not be for first Beautiful. place. 
but you know, I don't think Hamilton or uh, Ottawa, especially or Montreal, rather, with the Argos holding the tie break over both of those teams, yeah, it's over. Yeah, no, I think the Argos are looking at separating from the, that bottom two. Mm-hmm. From Hamilton's perspective, they're chasing Ottawa, right? Ottawa's in trouble, mm-hmm. and I think Hamilton. You know, you never know. Mm-hmm. They they got two games in hand on on and Ottawa. No Trevor and That's no right. backup. They have yeah. a chance to to make a play for that, and uh, you know they are playing some decent football. But this is also payback time from the Argos for the Argos from that Labor Day. Game. Oh, absolutely! Come on, yeah, that was there for the taking. Ah, right. And but uh, then again, you know this is this is an opportunity for Trustman and company, and I know they've been using uh, the penalties as a learning tool all game. What was one of the first things Trustman talked about after the game against Montreal was the discipline yes, and the lack of penalties. If they go in and don't shoot themselves in the foot the way they did in the first quarter with three holding penalties and an interception with a gale force win behind them in the mm-hmm. first quarter, sure, they probably go in there, they probably scored 14 to 17 points in the opening quarter. And I don't think Hamilton mentally would rebound from that because they were an 0-8 football team at the time. Yeah. They let them hang around, and Hamilton gave them full marks for what they did, uh, won the football game. Yeah. No, it wasn't I, I, pretty from their perspective, but at that point, a W was a W. Yeah, no, I think you're uh, you're bang on from, uh, you know, the Argos have been shooting themselves in the foot. And, you know, if they play a game like they played against Montreal last week where the offense the was half. balanced, yep. right, they didn't uh, do anything super electric they move the ball mm-hmm. uh, a couple of big runs obviously on on wilder's side but the defense stalwart as they are week after week making plays mm-hmm. huge plays in the first half mm-hmm. and uh it, it they should do just fine in this game and um you know the hamilton is playing some better football masoli is playing pretty good football he's managing the ball well he's not turning it over mm-hmm. right he's uh getting you know between 200 to 350 yards for the last couple of games. And and now he's got a new running back in the backfield, this guy Alex Green. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to play this week. C.J. Gable might be still be banged up or not, but mm-hmm. Green is a is a big guy just like uh, James Wilder, 6'2", 225. Mm-hmm. He had like, I don't know, 14 carries or so for over 140, yeah, 140 yards yeah. or so. Had a good football game. Thought football was over, right? So mm-hmm. guys that thought football was over and get the call can mm-hmm. be dangerous. Sure. Right? I mean, they come in with a whole different mindset. Mm-hmm. They're humbled at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that is something that the Argos really need to focus on from a defensive side is that D-line and LB. So, I mean, look for Bear Woods and Marcus Paul to have a big day. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think Hamilton, since the change, coaching change, they've had a more balanced attack. And they've been moving the ball on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, even with CJ the week before. But, uh, what scares you the most about Hamilton from a Toronto perspective? I think uh, there's still the element of unknown a little bit, okay. right? You know, just with some of the changes they've made. Mm-hmm. This green guy is still, the Argos only have one, you know, one week of game film on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big back. He's physical. And if Hamilton can manage the ball well uh, and score, um, the Argos uh, offensively are going to have to do the same thing. And so I'm not convinced uh, that the Argos offense is... Um, you know, firing on all cylinders right now. They've been solid the last couple weeks. Second half last week against Montreal, they didn't do anything. They had a big run by Wilder. Other than that, uh, they didn't really move the ball through the air very well. So I think if, you know, what scares me is if Hamilton comes out and plays a very physical, uh, good game defensively, mm-hmm. and the Argos have a hard time scoring, you know, they, if they're able to stop Wilder, I don't know if they can, but mm-hmm. if they can slow him down, it could be a close game. 
Mm-hmm. It could be a close game, you know. And, and again, Hamilton's they're clawing and scratching right now. June Jones has those guys fired up. They're going to play well. It's going to be a Tim Hortons field. Expected to be a playoff atmosphere. Sure. That city is, you know, uh, right now they've got a little ray of hope. And, and they and, don't like the Argos. And they do not like the Argos. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be, uh, it'll be fun. A tough place to go in, in into and play. Well, the good thing, uh, if there's more good news, that there won't, it, it looks like right now there won't be any thunder and lightning Oh jeez! As uh, we don't have to put up with the delay, et cetera, et cetera. Delay was that brutal. was that was a bizarre football game on a lot of levels. But uh, the as we're putting this together, the forecast calls for sunny skies and 16 degrees. So that's perfect, that's perfect for football. Not too hot. Uh, I know uh, last Saturday was uh, was a little problematic, especially for the guys, say in the OUA, who had to play earlier in the afternoon when you know it was forty degrees down on the field. Oh my gosh! Um, so yeah. this will be better. You, you mentioned the game is at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, for Argo fans who are listening and have never been to the Tim yeah. or the Donut Box or whatever they want to call it, why should they go down and check this out? Oh, it's a great place to go watch a football game. The atmosphere is going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Hamilton has done a great job with their fan engagement and kind of some of the things that they have going on uh, in the stands with the apps you can download mm-hmm. and all these other things. Um, but it's going to be fun. It'll be loud. I can guarantee yes. you that. It's going to be loud. Uh, the Argos, every time the Argo offense is out there, they're probably going to be doing some hand signals mm-hmm. because they won't be able to hear sure. anything. Um, you know, and uh, it's going to be a good football game. By it's the way, be a good football game. props to Argo fans. Um, it wasn't a full house again on Saturday, but that place is freaking loud. Yeah. It's amazing how loud that is. The, the fans who are going are really getting into this. They're having a great time. Uh, you know, anybody who was, I, I had friends come down to Kingston. It was there, or from Kingston. You met them after the game. Mm-hmm. It was their first experience at a game at BMO. Loved it. Like he's been an Argo fan since, uh, you know, back in the seventies. And it was his first opportunity to get down here for a game. And, couldn't say enough good things uh now it's just getting a few more folks in the building you know you have a good time you tell two friends they tell two friends Mm -hmm. you start building it uh, sort of that way uh and the next time to do that is uh a week from saturday saskatchewan's in town back to four o'clock for the saturday kickoff which is great perfect time I would love to see that place filled. Oh, Hoagie, well, listen, people that come out are going to come back again because the the team is very exciting to watch. Even the games that they're down, they're still exciting Mm -hmm. because there's a want to. Every time a guy gets off the ball, they want to win that personal battle. Mm -hmm. And on the sideline, guys believe in the team. They believe that they have a chance to win the entire game. Mm -hmm. The last couple of years, it hasn't been like that. So... uh, Fans can feel that. They can 100% feel it. I can feel it in the booth. You can feel it in the booth. And they're playing some damn good football. And there's no reason that they honestly shouldn't make a run for this great cup this year. Mm-hmm. They have a very good team. The support support system around the team is excellent. And, you know, knock on wood, as long as everybody can stay relatively sure. healthy, you know, this could be a huge year for the Argos. But as Jack LaCrosse said, you know, there's there's a plan in place and everybody's buying in because Trustman's been there yes. before. He had to teach from scratch. Like for the overwhelming majority of players, uh, you know, you know, some of the SJ Green and yeah. and uh, Brandon Whitaker, guys like that uh, aside, for the most part, this was a new coaching experience for these guys. He's mm-hmm. got to learn them. He got here late. They had to learn him. Yes. Um, so you look at the first half as being just, you know, football 101. Feel out, yeah. I got to know my personnel. Personnel's got to get to know me. 
now now everything's starting to get put in place and they made the change at running back and it's worked out so far um they've they've made some changes at receiver seems to be working out the the secondary is as good if not better than it's been d-line starting to get healthy again like everything is is moving in the right direction starting to click and man if if, if you are a regular attendee of argonaut games here's the challenge bring a couple of friends seriously that's all it yeah. takes yeah you know, if if everybody in that crowd brought a friend to the next game, it's near sellout. Might be a sellout. Hogue, that's it's all it takes. That's all it takes. Get a sellout. You're hanging out down in a great area of the city, and you go over to Liberty Village and have a couple more pops afterwards. Yeah. It's a great time. What's right? what's not to like? No, and, it's and perfect. We've been, we've been making a living after an Argo W. Uh, the, the going over to Williams, it's loud over there. That's so you'll see players and some of the coaches and some of the staff, a lot of the staff, like a ton of the staff, <laughs> going out <laughs> and just relaxing yeah. after working so hard uh, yeah. on a game day, which is uh, which is uh, just uh, so much work and a lot of stuff that doesn't get seen by the general public. So it's a chance to relax, and if if it comes uh, combined with a W, it's even better. And uh, the Saskatchewan game, by the way, sweets available. Yes, that's the game coming up. It is. It is peanut tree? Yes. Yep. So we'll get that plug in as well. So this Saturday in Hamilton, next Saturday in Toronto against Saskatchewan, 4 o'clock game uh, against the Rough Riders. And they're going to bring some fans, so bring some more Argo fans and just drown them out. Beat them at their own game. The stadium will be half green probably. I mean, it's impressive that those Rider fans follow them everywhere. You get envious though, do you not? And you get kind of sick of it after a while. Like just... To me, you know what? It, it makes me smile because it is. I think it's, it's really passion. cool. Absolutely. It's really cool. It's really, you know. Uh, to be honest, I love. I love them. The Ryder fans. They're just like, man, love you guys. You know, everywhere when you go to Saskatchewan, yeah, they embrace you. You're a football player. They embrace you everywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, they're obviously they want their team to win. But thanks. But for they love all the players across absolutely. the country, right? And absolutely. it's it. They're a special people and. There's going to be a lot of them uh, in in the stands that day, so yeah, Argo fans get down there and match that noise and get uh, make it your stretch drive as well, getting ready for the playoffs. That's right. Uh, thank you, sir. This was fun as always. Thank you, my man. That's uh, that's Jeff Johnson. Jacob, how did we do? Oh man, he's not even looking. I don't even think he's listening, <laughs> but he gives the thumbs up anyway. Thank you. I think Jacob's Jacob, just a bobblehead in the back room. Jacob Dearlove, one of the uh, non-hardworking members of the <laughs> see see what you get. I got the microphone, dude. Of the uh, Argo family. Uh, we'll come back and uh, we'll have the game for you on Saturday night. Uh, hope to see you in the hammer. If not, uh, hope even more so to see you at BMO. And thank you once again for listening to the Double Blue Podcast.